How many of you have had a wonderful last two weeks? Amen. Hasn't it been good? How many of you are glad that that last two weeks is over? Praise God. I know there's been a lot of stuff going around and, uh, you know, everybody's been either under the weather or over the rainbow, but uh, we thank God that he's still God and he's still alive and well. I want to share something with you today, this being the first Sunday of the year. This past week, I was praying and meditating, and I had a word come to me. I was sitting in my living room and just really meditating on God, and I heard him speak this word to me, and he told me, 2022 will be a year of, and then he declared this word. And I I started thinking, now what's that mean, God? And So that's what I'm going to share with you today about what I believe that God is saying to us. Before I go there, I want to talk to you about the work of God in our own individual lives. So let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever started to do something for God that didn't quite turn out the way you planned? Hold, hold your hand up if you've ever started to do something for God. Well, let me put it this way so I can get more of you in the scope of things. How many of you have ever started to do something that didn't quite turn out the way that you'd planned? Have you ever been there where all of a sudden what you planned didn't quite come out the way you intended? I, I discovered something. I discovered that what you do with that is really what determines whether you make it or break it. So I've got a couple, uh, a few clips here that I'm going to show about when we started to do something for God. And the the first one is, the first two are broadcasts that we've done live. Now, you have to understand, once you're live, you don't get to pause and say, wait, let me get myself together here. It's just when you're live, you're live. Whether you're crawling through a turnip patch or wherever you're at, you're live. So this first clip is a clip. Debbie and I were doing a broadcast, and I had been, I, I was sharing this really touching story, and I was, I, I was building up to an altar call. And I found out that Debbie and I weren't on the same page. So if you would, watch this. Waiting for him to ask him into his heart. I think about in the natural how sometimes we want to seize the day if there's a, you know, a sale, like a Black Friday, which I never get involved with that, but, you know, what? I was getting ready to do an altar call. No, no, we're not ready for that yet. Wait, hold on a second. This was what you said today okay, about how ahead. in the natural we try to see. We, we do something that can motivate us could be a sale. Bath and Body Works or we're not ready for that. She had another story that's going to Go ahead. Go. I'm with you. I'm just saying what we do. She's trying to seize like the day and stretch as much out of it as she can get. No, like there's, 
like it's a one-day sale. And how do we how do we approach that? But when we when we stop and think about spiritually, or like we have one day, and how are we going to make it count? You know. And okay, I'll go on. But uh, I was just have a couple quotes. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. All right. So um, I like this Ralph. Can't even say Ralph. I can't even say his name. Ralph, not Ralph. <laughs> Wait. A merry heart worketh good like a medicine. Wait, Ralph. So now it was so important that no, I was wait. tickled and she No, listen. Say it. You know why I'm messing up on this. His name is Ralph Waldo. So I'm saying Ralph Waldo. Ralph Waldo. Ralph Waldo. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Emerson. Okay, he said this. <laughs> okay, he said, write it. <laughs> He said, he said, write it on your heart that every day I'm is sorry. the best day of the year. So No, that's not right. Write it on your heart that every day is the best day of the years. That makes sense. That's right. Let me let why don't you just laugh and let me wait, finish. Okay. Wait, okay, so. this one I really like too. This is uh Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> oh good. Was, I think somebody's no, been listen, in the honey jar. No, listen what he said. Winnie the Pooh asked Piglet, he said, what day is it? And Piglet says, it's today. And Pooh said, my favorite day. Today. Isn't that cute? My favorite day. So how do we get the most out of our day? And we talked about that. And then today is the day of salvation. Yeah, I covered that. I know, you did? <laughs> you just don't seem to be on the same page, do you? And uh, now, look, we could have, you know, I could have gotten really frustrated or, and, oh, I did? <laughs> Whoops. And, but Debbie started, you know, laughing and it just, you're live, folks. And I discovered that that ended up getting several hits. And it made me realize, you know, some people just need to laugh. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to laugh. Now, if, if, now I, I'm going to say something, and I don't want you to take the, what I'm getting ready to say the wrong way. But if you're not careful, you end up taking yourself way too serious. And if I can't laugh at my own misstep, then I'm going to continue to trip over my feet. You remember, I wish I'd have had that clip. You remember when we were in service here and there were some bags of trash down here? You remember that? You remember I was standing up here and I was looking and I was thinking about jumping off of this platform down on that trash. I didn't do that. I came down off of the platform and jumped on it and my feet flew out from underneath me and I how many of you remember that wave your hand if you remember that and there was a ghastly quiet and then all of a sudden you started hearing people laugh when they saw me move again <laughs> see sometimes and it hurt honestly but you know sometimes you just got to laugh it off somebody say laugh it off <clears throat> huh yeah, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Okay. So now this next one is Debbie getting ready to do an experiment. 
that she'd never done before live. So, okay, but before we get this, you never, and so you never forget how to fight, right? This has been many years, and this something just scuffling, a little bit of scuffling happened today, right? Yeah, it was, you know, it, it's typical with our boys. Yeah, us boys. The, the little boys can come out, but it's because stress becomes high or just emotions right. were high. So, again, I've never done this before, so let's, let's hold it up, Mike, and see what happens. So, oh! Oh, my God! Oh, Okay, go ahead and cut it. Uh -oh. you, could, you could continue to hear their voices, but they shot that soda all over my cell phone. My $1,000 cell phone. <laughs> it's still working. But it, so it, it took her by surprise. And it took them off the air. Well, actually, they never did go off the air. They continued to be heard even though they couldn't be seen. So you need to be careful what you're saying when you think nobody can see <laughs> or hear. And, and she was saying, that, are, are we still on? Are we on? But they came back on. Expect the unexpected. Learn how to laugh your way forward. You know, when you do something for God, sometimes it doesn't turn out the way that you anticipated. We were getting ready to go to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and we did a concert down there. And after we'd done all that work and come back in, Paul was putting his equipment back on stage. The only reason I'm able to capture some of this stuff is because we had some security cameras. Go ahead. Now here it comes. <clears throat> Even like it looks like he sees it. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> oh, no, bless his heart. I'm like, I go walking around and go, man, you okay? <laughs> oh, bless his heart. Well, I was trying to. <laughs> Somebody say, ouch. I mean, that was, you know, you, uh, it, it's easy to. How many of you have ever been there where you're doing something for God and then the next thing you know, you find yourself flat on your back and you're thinking, God, what's up with this? I mean, here I am doing a work for you and, and, and this happens. I'm telling you, we have to get resilient. Everybody say resilient. You, you, you got, do you remember that Stretch Armstrong? You remember that? I almost bought one of those this year. I found one in an old-time store. That had these, and, and my mom bought me one when I was 15 years old. I mean, I could understand if I was five, but she bought it for me when I was 15 years old. And it, it just stretched and it stretched. And I found something out about that. It feels real soft and mushy unless you punch it. You punch that thing, and it'll break your hand. <laughs> See, sometimes. We feel like, well, you know, those, they're just so easily pulled out of shape and stretched out of shape. But I'm telling you that God has built us to be able to take a licking and keep on ticking. He's made us to keep moving forward. Somebody say it with me, keep moving forward. What I'm saying is this, is if you allow opposition to stop you, you'll never get started. You've got to make up your mind 
that I'm going to keep going no matter what happens. Now, on the same trip, that was on the trip back. Going there, Brian had shown up, our guitar player Brian had shown up, and he said, is there anything I can do? And Paul had sent him to the chapel to get the television back there because we use that as a monitor for the team so they can read the words. Well, so let's take a look and see what happens to Brian. He's going after the television. He doesn't realize that that television lifts up off of that stand. Yeah. So instead, he's going to try and pick the stand up with the TV on it. Watch his head. Look at the glass, the window. <laughs> he just managed to stick his head through those two beams. Now he can't get his head out. He's stuck. <laughs> and he's trying and trying to get his head out of those two bars. <laughs> he finally gets it out and he's checking his ears. <laughs> he told me that this happened to him and I didn't, I, I thought he was, pl I, I didn't realize he was telling the truth. I thought he was just kidding me until I got the film. Now watch, he's determined, he's putting that TV back on the stand and he's going to check his ears one more time. He told me later, he said that actually bruised his ears. And he'll feel one more time. Now look, we, we're, this is just in case you missed it the first time. There it goes. His head is through. You see his head through, and then the struggle comes to get out. Everybody say, get out. You know, there's nothing funny about that. But you're all laughing. This is the truth. Okay, give Brian a big hand. I checked with these guys to make sure it was okay I, I, that, that I showed this before I did it. And every one of them said, yeah, do it, do it. Brian had no clue when he stuck his head through those two iron bars the joy that he was going to bring to people. I'm telling you the truth. He had no clue. He, his, he's stuck. He's trying to get his head out. His ears are hurting. And he, he finally comes out and he, he told me later, he said, man, I bruised my ears on that. But he's had me show that clip to several people. And I asked him, I said, Brian, is it okay if I show that? To oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Do you know when you can laugh at your mishap rather than allowing it to push you backward then you're going to discover that there's a God that can take our mistakes and turn them and work them for something good. Somebody say something good. Okay, so here we go. Wednesday night, I'm sitting in my living room praying and meditating, and I hear this word come to me. I hear the voice of God say, 2022... It's going to be a providential year. And I, I stopped. As a matter of fact, I, I grabbed my phone 
and I typed the word in because I didn't want to forget this because I felt it so deep. He said providential, and I thought, God, what are you saying? What? And so I, I knew what the word meant, but I went to look it up because I wanted an exact definition for providential. And this is what the definition is. The word providential means occurring at a favorable or opportune time involving divine intervention. Somebody say it with me. Divine intervention. In other words, God's hand at work when it seems like it's not at work. But he shows himself real at the most critical, opportune time by a divine intervention. Let me give you an example. During the Revolutionary War, George Washington and the men found themselves in a predicament. They were trapped by the British forces, and the only way to get away was down the river. So under cover of darkness, Washington started loading flatboats with men and weaponry. He had a small window, an opportune time to get his men out of there under the cover of darkness. The problem was that it was taking a lot longer than he anticipated because he was having to pull this stuff through mud to get it down to the river and he's loading them up and daylight started to break. It was going to be over. The British, once the British saw them, they would capture them and that would be the end of the war. Except this fog drifted in. You might say it was providential. It came at an opportune time. I believe it came by divine intervention. That fog drifted in and it was so thick that they couldn't see across the river. Washington continued to load his men in weaponry and the fog did not lift until late morning when the last flatboat was out of cannon range. I'm telling you that God is getting ready to show himself to us in a way like we have not experienced before. But you've got to hear me because when you start to do something for God and it doesn't go the way you think it ought to, if you start to abandon ship, you're going to miss out on the miracle. You've got to make up your mind that we serve a God that knows how to to insert his providential hand into our circumstance and situation. What I'm trying to say to you is this, is that sometimes it doesn't even look like God's there, but he's there. And I thought about how can I get this home to you, so I, I started praying and looking at this, and then it dawned on me, the book of Esther, I want to read 
a passage for you. It says, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law to put them to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Everybody say providential. The book of Esther is the only book in the Bible where God is never mentioned. It's the only book in the Bible where God's name does not show up, no reference to him. But when you study the book of Esther, it becomes apparent that God's presence is there. It's providential. Let me take you through this real quick. There's a king. Come in, king. The king's name is Ahasuerus. Or if you, come on in, king. The king's name is Ahasuerus, or if you will, Xerxes. King Xerxes rules 127 provinces. Come on, walk out up front here with me. He, he rules 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. He has one of the mightiest armies on the face of the earth. And the king is a little arrogant and cocky. And he, he's got a queen named Vashti. He has this big party where he's got all of his guys in, and he wants to show Vashti off. And so he calls for her to come in so they can look at her beauty. She refuses to come in. He says, well, what am I supposed to do? She didn't obey what I said. And they said, you've got to put her away, man, or we're going to have trouble with women all over the kingdom. I'm not making this up. I, this is the truth. This is, how the, this is the history of this. So they said, well, what should we do? They said, depose her. So he does that. He puts her away, but then he begins to miss her. And they tell him, they said, look, this is what we need to do. We need to make a search throughout all the kingdom for all the beautiful young virgins and bring them before the king. And the one that pleases the king most, let her be queen in place of Vashti. So they begin to search the kingdom. There is a man in the kingdom whose name is Mordecai. Mordecai is a Jew and... The, what Mordecai's got on is for a little bit later, but, but Mordecai's a Jew. Mordecai has a very young cousin by the name of Esther. Now, Esther is, 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 is a beautiful girl, and Mordecai has taken her to raise her as his own daughter. And so when they know that, when she, he knows that they're going to come and get her, he tells her, don't let anybody know your nationality. Everybody say, keep it hid. That's what he instructs her. Keep it hid. Don't tell anybody. And so they come and they get her. They take her before the king. And when she goes before the king, she's a little stumbly. You know, she's, she's a country girl. She's not used to being out and about. But she, she, she goes before the king. And when the king sees her, the king is, is, is pleased with her. He puts the crown on her head or that that symbolizes royalty. He, he makes her queen in place of Vashti. And everything's going along great, right? There's another guy involved in this story. His name is Haman. 
Haman comes in, and Haman has managed to, come on down here, king. I need to get you and Haman downtown. <laughs> Haman, Haman manages to weasel his way into the king's graces. I want you to hear something to me. I, I want you to hear something. <laughs> I think that's for another blooper reel. Okay. I want you to, I want you to listen to what I'm going to say. Your <laughs> backup board, okay. <laughs> this isn't your scene, okay. <laughs> your gift may get you into the king's presence, but only your character can keep you there. Hammond has a gift that he's able to weasel his way into the king's presence. So much so that the king gives him his ring. He, th that that represents authority. Now watch this. Let me, let me show you what a weasel this guy is. So what happens is Hammond, Hammond is, is getting elevated in his position. And he comes out and he's made this decree that everybody is supposed to bow down before him. But when he comes by, walks by Mordecai, Mordecai refuses to bow down. And, 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 he's, and, and he's not happy about it. He's going, perfect. Great. That's an inside joke for you that don't know that. But so he's, he doesn't like it. And he finds out, he says, Mordecai is a Jew. Turn around and look at them instead of me. Okay, that's all right. Just... So Mordecai, is, Mordecai, he finds out that Mordecai is a Jew. And for Haman, it's not enough that Haman kills Mordecai. He wants to get rid of all the Jews. You need to hear what I'm going to tell you. You're wrong if you think the devil is just after your friend or just after your family or just after your neighbor. The devil wants anybody and everybody that calls on the name of God to be destroyed. But I'm here to tell you today that there is a providential hand of God that is bigger, that is mightier, and it's stronger than any demon in hell. And you may feel like God's nowhere to be found. I'm telling you, he sees where you're at. He knows what you're going through. And he has a plan. So he goes back to the king. And, he, and, and nobody knows that Esther is a Jew. He goes to the king and he, he says, King, he said, look, buddy, there's a group of people in the kingdom and they, they, they do everything contrary to your laws. They don't... They, they, they're just a pain in the neck. And, and so it, it, it's not even good that we let them live. If you let me kill all these people, I'll pay 10,000 pieces of silver into the king's treasury. I don't know where the king's head is. He takes his ring off, his signet ring. He gives it to Hammond. Th this ring has a seal on it. And whenever there's a law written and you seal it with that, it's law and it can't be reversed. I want you to remember that. So he takes the ring, he writes this law, it's, it's April, and he, he casts lots to determine the day for the Jews to be destroyed. And it comes up March 7th. So almost a full year is going to go by. 
he sets this in play. It gets sent throughout all the kingdom, and all the Jews begin to mourn. Mordecai put on sackcloth. He goes before the king's gate. He's not allowed to go inside because no one can go inside the king's gate wearing sackcloth. He goes before the king's gate, and there he drops on his knees and begins to cry out to God. Word gets to Esther that Mordecai is at the gate in sackcloth. She sends a change of clothing for him, but he refuses it. And he tells the person that comes to him everything that had happened. She is living in her own world in the palace. She doesn't know what's happened. How many of you have ever met people that seem like they got no clue what's going on around them? You know what I'm talking about? And, and stuff is happening that they're not even aware of. When she finds out what's going on, and because Mordecai sent word to her to, look, you're going to have to go before the king and, and plead for your people. And, and she sends word back to Mordecai that says, look, everybody in the king's province knows that if you go before the king without being called, there's one law. You get put to death unless he extends that scepter that he holds in his hand. But he hasn't called me in 30 days. I don't know what's up with him. He hasn't called for me. He hasn't spoken to me. Mordecai sends word back to Esther and says, Esther, don't think that you're going to escape in the palace if you hold your peace during this time. He said, you'll perish along with your family, and there will come help from somewhere else. Do you see this? No mention of God. No mention of, of Yahweh. But he says, I know that help is coming. And he said, and how do you know that you haven't been put in the kingdom for such a time as this? See, sometimes our circumstances aren't favorable. Sometimes we feel like we're between a rock and a hard place, and the best thing for us to do is cut and run. But I'm telling you that God has a divine plan. Even when you can't see him at work and you're saying, God, where are you? And you feel like you're all alone. His hand of providence is on your life. And he's going to make a way for you when it looks like there's no way to be made. She sends word back and says, tell everybody to fast for three days. I'm going to fast. As a matter of fact, we're all getting ready to fast. Because this is a providential year. This is a year of divine intervention. Even when you can't see him, and even when you don't feel him, he's going to show himself real. They prayed and fasted for three days, and she said, at the end of that three days, I'm going in before the king, and if I perish, I perish. So she fasts for three days, and she fixes herself up. She asks, she, she walks into the presence of the king, and everybody gasps because they know that, man, this is, I mean, you know, this is a death sentence. But he immediately extends the scepter, and he said, go ahead and reach out there. 
And, and he said, what do you want, Esther? Just ask me. I'll give it to you up to half of my kingdom. Do you understand that sometimes all your fear is for nothing? And sometimes all that worry and all that fretting and all that, well, I'm afraid God's not going to show up. You just need to do what you know to do and understand that God is going to do the rest. And so he sa- she said, come to a banquet. I want you and Hammond to come to a banquet that I prepare. So she goes and she gets the banquet ready. Hammond finds out that they're supposed to go to the banquet. They go to the banquet. The king and, and Hammond get into before the banquet, and she's serving them wine in the banquet. And all of a sudden, he goes, what? What do you want, Esther? Tell me what it is, and I'll give it to you up to half of my kingdom. And she still isn't sure of herself. She's, she knows that there's a, a, an opportune time. I don't just do things because I feel like doing it. There's a timing that God has. And timing, my friend, is everything. Watch what happens. So she looks at him, she says, I'll tell you what, if, if, if I please the king, you come to a banquet with Hammond tomorrow, and I promise I'll, I'll, I'll tell you everything, what's going on. And he said, okay. So she goes to get ready, the king goes to his chamber, Hammond's on his way out, and he's singing zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay. Come this way, come this way. You're, be happy. Yeah, give me a happy face. There you go. So he's, he's out there, and he's just frolicking, you know, and he's feeling good about himself. Oh, I got invited to the banquet and all that. And then he sees Mordecai, and Mordecai does not bow. And he gets ticked off. Throw that hair. <laughs> What's that about? And he's so mad about it that he goes home and he tells his wife and his friends and his family about how, how that he has been invited to a banquet with the queen. Just him and the king. And, but that Mordecai won't bow down. And they said, you know what you ought to do? You ought to build yourself a gallows 75 feet tall and hang him on it. And he smiles real big. He says, Yeah. Yeah, and so he goes to work that night ordering a gallows to be built. Mordecai still doesn't know his fate. Esther is preparing to share her heart with the king. But that night, a providential hand takes sleep away from the king. He calls for the book of the history of his reign to be read before him. So they read it, they read an account about an assassination attempt that was exposed and stopped by a man named Mordecai. And the king said, what was ever done to honor him? And they said, nothing, king. Nothing was done to honor him. He hears some stirring going on in the outer chamber and he says who's in the outer court and he said Hammond's out there Hammond got up early that morning to come to ask permission to kill Mordecai to hang him on a gallows and yet the providential hand of God kept the king up and now the king's got something on his mind Hammond walks into the presence of the king and the king says 
What should be done to the man that the king wants to honor? What should be done for him? Mordecai, I mean, Haman is so stuck on himself that he goes, who would he want to honor more than me? Turn around, look at them and go. And so he says, this is what you ought to do. You ought to get one of the most noblest princes in all the province and have them take some garments that you used to wear and put it on this man that you want to honor. Then put that man that you want to honor on the king's stallion and have that noble prince march him through the kingdom and say, this is what the king does to a man that he delights to honor. And Haman is just getting ready for it. And the king says, that's a great idea. I want you to go get Mordecai and do everything you just said to me. Put my robe on him, put him on my horse, and lead him through the kingdom and begin to yell, this is the man the king delights to honor. He's not happy. He, he carries him, he leads him through, take him by the hand. He leads him through shouting, this is the man the king delights to honor. This is the man the king delights to honor. And as soon as he's done, he buries his head and he takes off running home. Don't run too far, don't go too far there. He, sa- he, sa- he tells them what happened. And they said, you in a heap of trouble now. That, he knows sooner gets home then they come to get him and they bring him to the banquet where the queen's at the queen is prepared the banquet the king comes down Hammond is with them he's still trying to figure out what he's going to do okay come down here now the king looks at the queen and says now tell me one more time what is it you want I'll give it to you up to half the kingdom And this is what she said. She looked at him and she said, I'm asking you to spare the life of me and my people. So what are you talking about? He said, there's an enemy that has sworn to destroy us. And the king is upset and he said, who would dare touch you? And she pointed at Haman. And she said, that wicked Hammond is the man. And he, he is so mad, he goes out, he walks out, he walks, he walks. Don't mess my message up now. He, walk, he walks out, he walks out of, of the room. Hammond is scared to death. He falls on the couch where she's sitting, and she, he's begging. He's got his hands around her feet begging for his life. And all of a sudden, the king comes back in. And when he sees it, he's thrown himself on the bed with her he says will this man force the king or force the queen in my own very own presence and he calls for them well wait you're not a guard he calls the guards come and get him and they they put a a a let me borrow that thank you the queen's more than willing to oblige they cover they cover his head and they said king Hammond has a gallows 75 foot tall. He built last night to hang Mordecai on. And the king says, great. Go hang him on it. And they take it. (laughs) And they all lived happily ever after. (laughs) And they give them a hand, would you? (laughs) Now watch this. Stay here. I'm going to give you. they, They did great. Now, this is what happens because it's not over yet. 
The tide has shifted. How many of you have ever felt the tide shift, but it's not over yet? And you're still trying to figure out, how's it going to work out? I see God at work here, but there, there's a law that's been put into play that can't be reversed. What are we going to do? Mordecai goes before the king, and the king takes the ring away from Haman. He gives it to Mordecai, and he says, now I give you authority. So Mordecai wrote a law that on the very day that all the Jews' enemies were going to destroy them, he gave them permission to band together and fight against those that sought to do them harm. That day was different than anybody ever anticipated. Instead of being destroyed, the Jews rose up in great victory. I want you to hear me. God's not done with you yet. He's not finished yet. I know it doesn't look like things are going well. And I know you may not be able to figure out what's going on. And it may be hard to even see where God's at. Can I tell you God is where he's always been on the throne. He's got you in mind. He's going to take care of you. This, my friend, is a year of divine intervention. As I contemplated that and I prayed about that and I was thinking, God, what are you saying? Divine intervention. And this is what came in my spirit. I'm going to work in ways that no one expects. I'm going to do things that people aren't looking for. I'm going to do it in personal lives and I'm going to do it on a national stage. I'm going to show myself real in a way like we haven't seen before. 2022. A providential year. Would you stand with me? Now, I'm not in, I'm, I'm not given to a lot of hype. And I pray and ask God what are you saying to us? Where, where are we going? What's this year hold for us? That's when I heard this word. And honestly, when I heard providential, it wasn't until I read the meeting that the divine intervention popped out. See, some people look at things and they say, oh, that was just a coincidence. That was just, you know. I, I was talking to Debbie over this past Christmas season. And I said, you know, babe, I said, when I reflect at what happened in my life, and I said things that were very hurtful for me, that were very difficult for me to go through, and yet, looking back now, I see the hand of God in it all. When I lost my dad, I was crushed. But when I looked back, and I didn't see it at the time, and I couldn't know it at the time, but it was that pain 
that I went through that produced something in my life that wouldn't have happened otherwise. I would have never left where I lived. I would have still been in Chicago. But because my dad passed, my mom moved us back to southern Illinois, and I was mad. Can't believe you're bringing me to Hicksville. No, no, don't get upset with me. I, I grew up there. I, I could go five miles in any direction and be in a big town. She moved me to a place called Buncombe. Either you've never heard of it or you've been there. Buncombe. It's 25 miles to Marion or 24 miles to Marion from Buncombe. I was a kid, man. I was 17 years old, and I'm thinking, are you serious? And none of it made sense until later. And I've watched a providential hand of God position me and move me to a place I didn't even know he wanted me to be. And I met a young girl, 14 years old at the time, although she didn't tell me. <laughs> that was providence too, man. <laughs> I watched God begin to mold and make and, and intervene in our lives and bring us together. And out of all the places that I thought I would ever end up, it wasn't in southern Illinois and yet I know that it's the divine hand of God that I'm where I'm at today now hear me I believe it's God's hand that you're where you're at today it began to dawn on me God never called the equipped, he just equipped the called. And he's looking down at this body of believers. Some of you have already felt changes in your own hearts. God moving you and positioning you and preparing you for a divine intervention. Because God is getting ready to use you in a way that you didn't even think was possible. Some of you are going to find yourself in circumstances that seem adversarial. And yet God's going to turn it and work it and twist it and move it and adjust it so you can see him at work. I wonder how many of you today 
are ready to say, God, here I am. Use me. I'm ready for a year of divine intervention. If you are, I want you to come on, go ahead and give him a hand, clap of praise. This is, this is what I want you to do. I want you, if you would, to come toward the front as close as you can. You don't have to come all the way down here, but if you would just make a move to the front because God's got something in store. You know, I was so glad to see you back in service today, and I don't know, I, I don't know if you headed back to Florida in a little while, but there's a reason you're here today. God has a plan. Somebody say it with me. God has a plan. The reason I started out with all the clips at the beginning was because it's important that you understand when it looks like things just fall apart, it doesn't mean that they've fallen apart at all. Brian stuck his head through that rail. That didn't stop the trip, and it didn't stop Brian. He, he went on, and we did the concert and came back, and it was, it was like a week later before I found out he was even telling me the truth. I, I thought he was messing with me. What I'm saying is if we're not careful, sometimes we allow uncomfortable situations to rob us of the miraculous. Don't let the devil have your miracle just because you feel like you're being in a rock in a hard place. As you stretch your hands to heaven, I want you to look at me for just a second. For the last few months, it's like I'm just going to tell you what I hear. God, what is going on? I mean, this doesn't even make sense to me. Seems like I just get past one thing and here comes another. How long is this supposed to happen? And yet in all of that, God's been doing something that at first wasn't visible. It wasn't, on, it wasn't up front. But as you started looking at it, you started to see something that God was working on and behind the scenes. And he, saying, I'm not done yet. These are the things that I've been speaking of. These are the things that I promised that I'm going to move and adjust and position. Say it with me. Position for victory. A divine intervention. A hand showing up where you least expected it. God moving things that looked like there was no way to move. Him bringing things together that you almost gave up on even asking about because you thought this could never happen. He is saving someone. God is doing something. Right now. several pieces to this puzzle 
that have to come together. Some of the pieces have made an appearance, but they're not in place yet. Other pieces haven't yet made the appearance. But God knows exactly where they're at. And at the right time, you're going to feel and see your divine intervention in Jesus' name. Right now, uh-huh. he is healing someone. Yes. He is saving someone. Yes. God is doing something. Right now, he is healing someone. He is saving someone. God is doing something. Right now, he is moving mountains, making a way for someone. God is doing something. Right now, he is moving making a way for someone. God is doing something. Right now, he is moving mountains, making a way for someone. God is doing something. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come. your hands to heaven with me today. Don't misunderstand what I'm going to say, but we've been a people for so long that wanted our cake and ice cream too. We don't like discomfort, but sometimes God has to move things around to accomplish his purpose and the end of it is always so much greater and if we knew that at the time we'd be going oh do it God do it God but we're stuck in the middle of it and so when all I can see is the middle of it I have to trust God I have to come to a place in my life and in my heart where I'm saying you know what I can't see how this is going to come out. It doesn't look good. But one thing I know, that if God is for me, I'm looking for a providential hand. A hand that can move things that my hand can't move. A hand that can shift rivers and cause a fountain to break out in the middle of a desert. That's what God does. And God wants to do it with us. So as you stretch your hands to heaven with me all across this building right now, say it with me. Here I am, God. Here. Here I am, God. Come on, say it. This isn't about me. This is all about you. And you've got me covered. I give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. Come on now, give me a hand clap of praise in this house. Some of you that have been asking for family are getting ready to see some things shift. And at first, it's going to kind of take you back because it's not the kind of shift you're expecting. God's saying, just hold on. 
Don't panic. Don't give up. Just hang on. Because when I get done, you're going to see the intervention. Give my hand clap of praise in this house today. I give you praise for it. I give you praise for it. Man, I, I just feel the presence of God. I, I, if you would, would you do some, me a favor and just kind of lay your hand on yourself for a moment? See, sometimes you feel alone. And you're thinking, man, God, if I just had somebody here, you do. He's there. You need to remember, he said that where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's in the midst. I'm one. He's two. But if we come together as family, there's nothing God can't do. There's nothing that God can't do. Don't make the mistake of laying out your agenda to God and then being upset when He doesn't do it. You have to let God have free course in your life. When you do that, then all of a sudden you get this feeling that you're not in control anymore and that there's a providential hand that's moving you. I can't tell you how many times I felt that hand in my own life. And I felt like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. I trust you. Would you just stretch your hands to heaven with me and pray this prayer with me today? Father, we come to you thanking you for all that you've done and we come to you with expectation of 2022 God I'm not even going to ask you to do what I want because I realize that I what I want may not be what's right so instead I'm asking you to have your way God, by divine intervention, by a providential hand, shift me and move me to a place that you want me to be. Cause every circumstance and situation to come in alignment with your plan. And God, so at the end of the day, I can stand and praise you and glorify you and worship you for what you've done. Yes. I do it right now. I declare it now in Jesus' name. This is my year of providence. I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this house today. We love you. We look forward to what God's doing in your life. If you need special prayer, stay up here. I'll pray with you. For the rest of you, we love you. God bless you, and I'll see you next week. If you need prayer, come on up.